This is High Level Wisdom for New Generation Leaders. We interview senior level baby boomers who share their stories, insights, and how-tos for the emerging leadership of millennials. Our mission is to celebrate their accomplishments in aid of preserving their business knowledge. I'm your host, Chris Williams. Hey, everybody, welcome back. This is Chris Williams, your host. Thank you so much for listening to High Level Wisdom for New Generation Leaders. If you have not had an opportunity to hear part one of my interview with Jim Tolbert, who is the CEO of Vista College, I highly suggest you go back, listen to the first interview. So that way you're all caught up because today you're getting an opportunity to hear my part two with my interview uh, with Jim. He's going to dive deeper into his perspective and more importantly, share with you just a little bit of advice on what he sees as a as a go forward and kind of some of the misconception and some of the things that he's noticed that uh, millennials are bringing to the table. And more importantly, what HR folks out there who are looking for great talent, how things have kind of shifted and what value millennials bring. So take a listen to part two of my interview with the CEO of Vista College, Jim Tolbert. So, so let's switch gears here because I'm, I'm, I'm fascinated by kind of, um, the way you've been able to move throughout your career and then become a leader of, of influence inside of the educational space. And so I'm curious to know about maybe some of the misconceptions because obviously there's, as you mentioned, there's stereotypes and, uh, stereotypes are, have some bit of truth laced in a lot of, you know, just general assumptions, but I'm interested in, in, in maybe the misconceptions as a baby boomer, what misconceptions do you think are sitting out there that you would want to speak to based on what you've seen and what you've heard, you know, that, that make you go, you know what, that's not actually true about how we operate. And it probably is a little irritating. Yeah, that's a good question. It's even funny hearing, you know, our, our generation and stereotypes because, you know, when I think of generations, I think of the previous generation, which I think we've come to call the greatest generation. You know, they, they conquered the depression. They, they beat back fascism in one world war two. And I always look at that generation and I have stereotypes about them. So I, I've never really thought about us baby boomers and, and who we are. And it's fairly, you know, I, I, I will in full disclosure be, you know, tell you I'm at the very, very end of the baby boomer generation. So my dad fought in Vietnam. He didn't fight, fight in uh, World War II. And, and, and so as I think about this generation that basically spanned from 1945 to 1965, who we are and, and, and kind of how we're perceived. You know, I think there was a lot of changes in our generation. I think we were open to a lot of new ideas. You know, great, great accomplishments occurred during our generation uh, in a variety of social issues and, and otherwise in technology. So we lived through that. You know, we we were a very adaptable generation, you know, as as broad as as that generation is. You know, so if I had to say there was two stereotypes. One is our physical endurance. I think we've done a much greater job of taking care of ourselves in the previous generation. And, and I think physically we can keep up with the best of them. And, and then second thing is our ability to adapt and particularly adapt to technology. You know, someone would say, Oh, you're over X years old. You must not know how to, you know, do, you know, 
uh, Twitter or whatever, you know, is, is out there. And then I think, you know, and I'm not sure I put myself in this category personally, but, you know, my peers, I think, are very adept at technology and are very good at it and have adapted at it, have adapted to it rather, and have done a great job of, of, of having that mindset of, of technology that a younger person wouldn't necessarily assume. Absolutely. And, you, you know, one of the things that that I think is important is to point those types of misconceptions out. And 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 part of it is, is because um, I, I think one of the things that we don't do a, a great job of in the workplace today is uh, I have I have this really big mission behind uh uh, part of what we're doing with this podcast and what we're sharing and being able to have people like yourself on is that I, I think it's important that we learn to celebrate people as opposed to kind of poking holes in every approach. And, uh, you know, you you being a baby boomer, you you've seen the workforce change dramatically. And not only have you been an individual contributor, but now you are a major influencer in that space. And and I kind of think about how it's it's a lot easier to find the problems with people as opposed to more importantly finding what's right with them. And I think one of the things that I've I've seen this uh, you know several times, and I'm sure you've seen it too. Right, Bob raises his hand. He says he's retiring. We gather all the information we can, and he might walk out with a gold pin or a watch. Right. And and that's literally the extent of his 35 years <laughs> in, in a nutshell sometimes. And it's unfortunate. And so I, I, I like to ensure that one of the things that uh, our audience gets a chance to hear practice even, but even for people like yourself as a CEO is learning that or being able to know that uh, there are people who do appreciate the accomplishments, the things that you've seen, the, what you've built and, and brought to to the workforce uh, here in America or whether it's even abroad. And, you know, uh, obviously yourself being someone who is steeped in a, heavily invested in education, you know, you've built, you know, a, a, a college that not only helps people who are retooling, but also creating creates a non-traditional track for a lot of folks as well. And, and so I, I'm curious to know when you when you look back, as you mentioned, if you could talk to your 18 year old self, it would be a you know very different conversation. But when you look back at your path, when you were when you were working, you know, starting in your in your first career and and, and, and changing companies and, and moving to different places, what would you say has probably been the the most important thing that helped you sustain through a lot of different transitions. And because I think one of the things that millennials can gain from baby boomers is learning how to transition well and learning how to make change and do it with a, with some sort of energy that allows you to stay focused on, on the goal. So I'm sure, as you mentioned in the beginning of this podcast, I mean, you've made a lot of different changes throughout your career before you ended up with Vista what advice would you give a millennial when it comes to transitioning in career? What what types of thing would you want to leave with them? Well, I, I think there's two things that I would suggest. And it's sort of the point I made earlier about having a plan for your career. And that doesn't mean that plan can't change. And as you pointed out, my plan has changed a lot over the course of my career. But at least I thought I knew where I was going the next two to three years. And not what what am I going to do tomorrow, but what am I going to do two to three years from now? And again, circumstances change, opportunities present themselves, things don't work out always the way you want, and you have to adjust to that. But at least to have a, a direction that you're going in. 
and 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 again, I can't sort of br- paint a broad brush against today's millennials, but you know, a lot of young people, where you go, where do you want to be two or three years from now? You kind of get shrugs or blank stares, or I don't know, never really thought about it. Well, think about it. You know, with with all the caveats of life happens and things change, think about what that plan is. And then, and then I guess the other thing too is, if you do have a plan. You know, more often than not, there's a sacrifice you have to make in order to achieve that plan, whether it's a, an explicit sacrifice of I need to go to graduate school, I need to take two years out of the workforce and invest a lot in that, or if it is, you know what, this isn't the greatest job in the world, but it's a means to an end and it will allow me to create the skill set that I need to get to the next level. Whatever it is, do appreciate life isn't always wonderful and perfect and a bed of roses, and really, there are times you're going to have to, to your point earlier, put your head down and get it done. It's, it's such an important thing to discuss in today's world of, of speed, right? <laughs> speed is sometimes the name of the game. And I, I think that um, speed is great as long as you know how to handle it. And as long as you're willing to, to, to make some, as you mentioned, tough decisions sometimes based on what you need to do. One other One other concept that I think is also important as well is the idea of willing to be mobile. I think depending on maybe the region in which you grew up in or your, your, your family background, I think sometimes what may hinder us in our growth of a career of our skill set is um, sometimes our inability to be willing to, like you mentioned in transition day, I would even say to move if you need to make that decision. Have you found the ability to be able to say, yes, I'm going to pick up and move to here so I can, you know, invest in my career for these couple of years? Have you found that to be something that's that's also vital um, to to a career path? Absolutely, Chris. And, and, and this is actually a very important point you brought up because I, I can speak both from my personal experience as well as conversations I've had with people in our company. You know, over the course of my career, I've, I've lived in New York, London, Chicago, L.A., Birmingham, Alabama, and, and, and now Dallas, Texas. And I always felt that, that I was able to pursue what I was able to pursue because of that geographic flexibility. I would also say I have to thank my family and my wife in particular for having the flexibility to move with me. But, but, you know, there's a lot of things that I think people hold themselves back on in, in terms of, you know, you know, sometimes there are real reasons you can't move. And I get that. And that is what it is. But I think often people sort of create their, you know, dramas in their head or, or their own barriers as to why they won't pursue opportunities outside of their geography because it is uncomfortable and it is scary and it is difficult to do. But, you know, you have to take the consequences if you're not willing to move. Then, then you have that issue. So the, the conversation we've had a lot within our company is we continue to open up new campuses and we are desperately looking for people who want to be promoted and want to go to the next level. But what we tell them is you have got to have some geographic flexibility because if we have an opening in a campus or we're going to open a campus and you want to be that next level in your job, great. We'll help you move, but you got to move. And, and not everybody is willing to make that investment. So again, speaking as someone who has made multiple moves in my life, has never regretted a single one of those moves, and has always allowed me to help me achieve my goals. I would absolutely say to young people, you got to put that as part of your portfolio. Absolutely, and and I'm so glad that you're able to speak to that from the position that you hold because um, 
I think that sometimes the even the region we live in may not even be best supported by a particular role that we're seeking, you know. And so I think it's important sometimes to even think about your career, whether you're in that 25 to 35 range, you know, thinking about, OK, if I'm if I'm looking for a particular skill set, is it readily available in my area? And if it's not, where is it? And then being able to say, hey, I'm going to I'm going to pick up and make that move so that, you know, I can be in a place where my skill set is is needed. You know, so, uh, you know, thank you for 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 definitely sharing that advice. And so a, a couple of things that, that I kind of thought about as you as you were talking is how the current landscape has kind of changed and the different things that you've been able to see, you've been able to build a, a, a great education backbone, if you will, for I'm sure a lot of people, I'm sure there's plenty of stories of people who've gone through the programs and the things that you all offer uh, and found success. But I'm interested and curious about what success means for you as a CEO. So share with me a little bit about what, what today success means for you and when you decide that you're ready to hand off a Vista College to an emerging leader, what do you feel that person has to have in order for you to feel comfortable that your company is going to last into the next 20, 30 years? In terms of the question, you know, about what do I consider success? And then the second question is, how, how, to whom do I hand this off to someday? Which seems hopefully such a distant thought, I can't imagine it. But in terms of success of our company, and what I would consider personal and professional success, is is one growth is a big part of what we do. Uh, we we are very ambitious and aggressive in our growth and opening new campuses and, and offering new programs of study, of of getting better at enrolling students and 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 making sure that we have positive student outcomes in terms of retention and helping them and assisting them in, in finding employment. I mean, that, that to me, that growth is a big part of, of, of success. Second of all, it's not just about the top line. It's about what we're delivering in terms of earnings. So it, it's, it's profitable growth is, is the second thing. The third thing is we are a very compliant, um, a very highly regulated, rather, industry and organization. So our ability to be successful is hugely impacted our ability to be compliant in all the various regulations that are governing uh, what we do from day to day. So that's the, the, the next thing. And then the final way that I would I would find success is, as I mentioned earlier, we're a private equity-backed company. Um, investors have entrusted our company with their funds to, to grow a company, to grow our company and do everything we want to do. And I owe them a return on investment of what of the funds that they've entrusted in me. You know, whether that be dividends, whether that be a liquidity event at some point. Um, but I have a group of shareholders uh, for whom I am indebted morally, governance wise and every other way in order to deliver, you know, returns on their investment. So those are all the ways that I, I personally think about professional success. In terms of the person that I would hand the company off to, they would have to say, yeah, Jim, I believe in exactly what you just said. You know, um, this is these are important pillars of a strategy of, of a company you've created and, and making sure that we can do that and maintain a strong reputation in our markets are, are very important. And someone who has both the vision to say, OK, here's sort of the next generation or here's the next iteration of growing the, you know, Vista College. And I do have the, the skill set and the temperament and, and all those other intangible qualities 
to achieve that goal. Those are the things I'd be looking uh, to someday in, in handing off the torch. It's so amazing that you that you would mention that because I, I think that it's it's very important for people to be able to know that um you know as a CEO I'm sure you're always looking at talent you're always uh, looking for 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 ways to to increase the the genius if you will of the leadership team that you have so speak to maybe the person who who would be interested in working in an organization like yours in leadership and maybe they're uh, just below leadership, but they're interested. Maybe they're an emerging leader. What type of advice would you give them uh, in order to know how how do I work in leadership in this capacity? What what are some of the things that that Jim looks for when when you talk about an executive leader inside of Vista College? And, and, and what, and you're asking a great question because I think one of the most important jobs I have as CEO is attracting and recruiting talent to this company. And, and as you outlined at the very beginning of this conversation, we have grown tremendously. So the needs of the leadership of this company has, has evolved incredibly over the last 10 years. And I am always out in the market looking for talent uh, to bring to Vista College to help us be more successful. And, and, and the things that I'm looking for is typically it's a functional expertise. And that doesn't mean I know the school business. It means I know something about, you know, customer service or I know something about, you know, being a CFO or what have you. So I'm looking for the very best athletes and the people who are good at their field. But, but the other thing too, and even if someone is a very talented and really knows their business, may or may not be successful in this company. We're a very entrepreneurial company. We're a very fast moving company. And, and, and some people do well in those environments and some people don't. And, you know, and if it's not, it's not for everybody, so be it. Um, but I, I really try to, in, in the recruiting process, to explain, you know, we are a hard charging company. We're always looking for the next mountain to go conquer and climb up. And if you're, if that excites you, great. If that kind of gives you heartburn, there's probably other opportunities that, that are better for you. And then the last thing, I guess I would say, just sort of off the cuff in terms of what makes a great leader. And, and again, this is going to sound a little like motherhood hood and apple pie, and it's sort of obvious. <laughs> but it really is important in, in the business we're in is having high degrees of integrity. You know, we can't do anything to put our franchise at risk. And I think if anybody was to cut a corner, if everybody says, well, no one's looking, I'll just do X, Y, Z. You know, nothing could could cause greater harm to our company than than to show anything less than the highest levels of integrity. So I'm a firm believer, and I think Vista College has demonstrated you can have very high levels of integrity and still be very successful. And the two are not only not you know mutually exclusive; they're mutually reinforcing. I think those things are important. I think, and and I would say not even just for you know specifically your your uh, venture, but I would say uh, across the board, no matter in the industry that you're in, uh, no matter where you may be, um, I, I think those are things that will bode well for anybody uh, by following some of those principles. So last but not least, I, I, before we, we we end our interview today, I, I'm curious to hear, are, are, are there any books that you would say uh, are sitting out there that you would recommend a emerging leader read that you feel would be helpful to their career in going forward? Yeah, th- th- there's there's at least three, and, and there are a bit of, you know, classics, but, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm giving you my answer, and there's a lot of great books out there, and I've learned a lot reading a lot of different things. 
but I'm, I'm sort of going to answer your question based on what books do you quote during the course of a day? So there's at least three books that I would potentially quote over the course of a day. One is Seven Habits of Highly um, Effective People by Stephen Covey. And if I butchered that title, excuse me. But there, there's really some very basic principles about being a successful person and, and a successful business executive that I just think are classic and are always relevant. Uh, the second is Jim Collins, Good to Great. And we are often using cliches that came out of that book, like get the right people on the bus and put them in the right seat. And there's some other just basic principles that that is, you know, going on probably 20 or plus years or more now and has just remained a classic in business literature. And then the last book that I would recommend that I really enjoyed reading was uh, Jobs by Walter Isaacson. And, and, you know, Steve Jobs was an incredible person and created an unbelievable company. He just had some things like his reality distortion field that ha allowed him to say, hey, we're going to get there. And I don't care what anybody else says that, you know, created one of the greatest uh, companies on the planet Earth. And, and it is an amazing story of how he did that. That makes me makes me kind of uh, think because, you know, Steve, Steve Jobs was a he wasn't a, an amazing person. I mean, you know, for, for those who don't know anybody who can get fired from your own company and then needed to come back and they come back and they do it again. Um, I think it's, it's just kind of incredible to to what they're able to do. But when you think about there's always the conversations that you see in articles or people are uh, discussing at conferences and what you see, whether it's written or verbal, there's always the discussion about what the millennial brings to the table when it comes to the workforce. I would like to ask the other side of that question. What do you feel is still the asset for the uh, for a company? that still likes hiring baby boomers and are looking for some of that experienced knowledge. What would you say are the benefits to the workplace that baby boomers are, are bringing that are still critical? I, I would, I would obviously say that the more they bring their experience, that's bar none. That's a, that's 10 times better than probably most things. But what would you say is probably unique to the baby boomer that the millennial just just wouldn't have outside of the experience? Well, and again, at, at the risk of painting a broad, too broad a brush over too many people, I, I mean, I think it's a work ethic that, you know, I know that in dealing with a baby boomer in the workplace, more often than not, they're going to have the attitude is we're going to do what, it, what it's going to take to get it done. Not, oh, it's five o'clock. Bye. I'll see you tomorrow. And, and I think, you know, being able to have that reliance on people that grew up with that, that, that ethic is, is irreplaceable and, and incredibly valuable. Wow. I, I agree with that. I do believe that our opportunity, I will say that for, you know, cause, you know, perception is reality for, for all of us, no matter what we're talking about. And in this case, I, I definitely think that uh, work ethic is something that, um, you, you have to grow with. And I, I completely agree with that. And that's, that's a great value add, um, for, for, for anyone listening. So it, Jim, you know, this has been a great opportunity. I am very appreciative of what you've provided. Um, please share with our audience, um, ways that they can, they can reach out to, to Vista College and learn more about what it is that you all offer. Sure. Um, I'd be happy to. Uh, for the best way to uh, reach out to us is to go to our website, which is www.vistacollege.edu. 
And uh, that is a, a great way to uh, check us out and who we are and all the various exciting things that we're in. If anybody listening to this wants to reach out to me directly, my email address is jtolbert at vistacollege.edu, J-T-O-L-B-E-R-T at vistacollege.edu. It would be my pleasure to uh, correspond with anybody who's interested in more information that I discussed today. Absolutely. And when you talk about, you know, some other CEOs and people, I'm sure you talk to high levels in a lot of different organizations and different industries. What would you feel is the the thing that you're looking to to help them with um, that once they reach out to you, they can probably have a better understanding of kind of, you know, where to go from there? Well, I mean, you mentioned also earlier the, the connection with Vistage. I, I am a member of Vistage, which is an organization that brings together CEOs in a confidential you know, format to just kind of share problems and issues. I had one of my all-day Vistage meetings yesterday, and you know, we got into some really interesting conversations uh, you know, about some of the concerns that we you know, have in common in, in our very our wide variety of businesses that we run, but the issues that we are dealing with, whether they're high-level HR issues, whether they're um, you know, dealing with the stresses of our, our work lives or or what have you, are, are very common among CEOs in a broad array of industries. And so for the, the CEO that might want to talk to you, for the HR person that might want to talk to you, I'm sure they can find you at the same email address. What types of things are you interested in, in sharing with them as part of conversation? Well, I, 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 one of the things that I think I hopefully could be very helpful in is given the growth that we've had, you know, we're 10 times bigger than we were 10 years ago, you know, and every stage of growth has provided a new set of challenges. And, and, and probably the number one thing, as I mentioned earlier, that I've dealt with over 10 years is the constant upgrading of my team. That's been scary and it's been difficult and it's been rewarding. And I would be happy to share with anybody who is in a similar situation, growing a company over an extended period of time, some of the challenges that they might have in in sort of continually upgrading the team. I think the other thing that I could hopefully be helpful to someone in a similar situation is there's a lot of things that I've had to stop doing as a CEO, that there's things that I did 10 years ago that I enjoyed doing that that as we got bigger wasn't practical for me to do. And so being able to kind of continually evolve yourself as a professional is something that hopefully I could bring some insights to other people on. Well, ladies and gentlemen, there you have it. You have heard from a a great man here in the United States who is doing incredible work in our education space, the CEO of Vista College, Jim Tolbert. Jim, thank you so much for your time today. It's been my pleasure, Chris, and I really enjoyed talking to you today. Well, there you have it. Another great episode, another great set of interviews with Jim Tolbert, the CEO of Vista College. Feel free to spend some time to think through this, listen to it again, download these episodes. Thank you guys so much for listening. I am your host, Chris Williams. Without waiting too long, feel free to share this with your friends on social media, on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at High Level Wisdom. Feel free to use the hashtag High Level Wisdom in all of your shares. More importantly, we would love it if you would leave a review on iTunes, Google Play. It allows people to be able to find us. We would love to be able to hit new and noteworthy. We have a goal of reaching over 3,000 in the first 
few months. And so with your help, we can definitely get there. So thank you guys so much for listening. We look forward to seeing you in the next episode. Hey, are you enjoying this podcast? Do you realize that we have CEOs and influential people we're interviewing every week? Would you like to have your ad space right here among those decision makers? If you're interested in sponsorship or branding and advertising, feel free to send us an email at info at high level for more information.